Allow me to share the word of God with you today and we're going to spend some time in a passage of scripture in the book of Colossians chapter 3. So we're just going to go down the whole passage. It's a very interesting passage. It's a very timely passage, I think, for any individual Christian, any individual believers, and I think it's going to nourish us today. Allow me to read it for us, and then we'll spend some time there. All right, Colossians chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because, this, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as this. Anger, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with this practice and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Jew, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, kind, humility, gentleness, patience, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgive you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let me read the last portion from 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach each other, admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. Father God, thank you for your word. May it nourish us, may it teach us, may it speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title, the passage on my NIV scripture is Living as Those Made Alive in Christ. 
title of my sermon is Being Fully Alive. Allow me to give context to this passage of scripture and then we will, we will, we will get to chapter 3. When Paul was writing the book of Colossians, he was writing to a church that was dealing with the issues of the day. And it was a thriving church. It was like an NCLA back in Colossae. And they were trying to figure out, how do we do life? How do we live a life that is worth of, of the gospel that we believe in? How do we experience the things that God has promised? And Paul was writing to them, giving them advice. In chapter 1, Paul tells them about what we call the supremacy of Christ. That everything they did as a church was founded and based and standing on Jesus Christ. That in Jesus Christ, everything they're doing stands on. That in Jesus Christ, the gospel was given to them. That he was appreciative that as a church, they had come together and believed and were passionate about the gospel. And he was seeing fruits of transformation within the congregation. As a matter of fact, this is what uh, Paul writes in uh, chapter 1, verse 15. It says, the Son of God is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among dead. That based on everything they believe that the church, it stood on the person and the being that is Jesus Christ. Then in chapter 2 he comes and deals with the issues of the day. At that particular time there were very many philosophies that were challenging what they were believing in. And Paul deals with that from this other philosophy. When, he, when chapter 2 begins he talks about that do not be swayed away by convincing arguments but believe what you've believed. Then he goes further to deal with the Jews who had said that for you to be a Christian, there are certain markers that you needed to have. Be circumcised, be a Jew, and operate the way you operate. And Paul said, that is not the marker of who is. But in chapter 3, Paul writes and says this. Since then, if you have another version of scripture, maybe an NIV, a KJV, they will say, if then, since then is a marker of now that you understand who Christ is, now that you know that your life has to be based on who Jesus is, since then, chapter 3 begins, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your eyes, set your hearts on things above. Allow me to tell you how this passage will unfold. There are three portions. There's the first portion, the second portion, and the third portion. It's like a sandwich. Have you ever eaten a sandwich? There's the bread and the bread, and then what comes in between. The first part is very positive. The second part is also, the third part is also positive, but the middle will be a bit challenging for us to deal with. But let's go. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts and minds on things 
above. What Paul was saying is that if you know that Christ is in your heart, that if you know what Christ has done for you, that if you know how much he has paid for you, that if you know the cost of salvation and his resurrection and his death and what the gospel means, set your eyes and set your heart and mind on things above. Let me say this. I think people only understand the good news if they know the bad news. Case in point, if today the government or whoever is in charge of these prizes comes and says that from tomorrow, not political promises, I'm talking about reality, the UNGA prices will go to 100%. Will that be good news? Because we know UNGA right now is about 200 shillings. If tomorrow they come and announce, oh, fuel prices will reduce from 160 bob to 120 bob. Because we know the pain and the frustrations and the struggle of the high cost, the news that would have been given to us would be good news. I think the challenge with our generation today is that we've lost message of understanding the good news of what the gospel is because we do not understand the bad news. You see, the gospel can be summed up to this, that it is the life of Jesus Christ, a perfectly lived life with no sin. It is the death of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay a penalty for you and I, a penalty that we should have paid. And he resurrected and rose again as a promise that you and I will rise again. As a promise that you and I can be alive again. But because we do not understand where God has saved us from. The wrath, the penalty, the pain that he has saved us from. The gospel has become so cheap. But Paul was telling them, this particular group of people, that if you want to be alive in Christ, if you want to be alive to the things that God has promised, if you want to experience the things that God has given you, then you need to understand the gospel that is centered on the person of Jesus Christ. Set your heart since then you understand this gospel. Set your hands on things above. Having the understanding that this is what it means to be a Christian. That Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. If you've done plug-in, you know this verse. But the but Christ lived in, lives in me, and the life I live now in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Allow me to just suggest this to us, 
if you're here and you want to move from the place of understanding the gospel but also living a life in it, there are certain things you need to do, which is to set your heart and set your minds on love. Story is told of a young baby. This baby, probably 12 months, uh, that needed to get over certain milestones. This baby, as a 12 months, uh, was, was not able to get over a certain milestone, which is to grab things. You know, the, you know the way you grab, eh? They were a small baby, and the mother is like, oh, my baby is grabbing, my baby is able to grab something. And then they took her to the doctor, and the doctor was like, okay, the thing about a small baby, if you want her to grab something, don't put it in her hands, put it where they can, can see. So whatever is on their eyesight is whatever they will grab eventually. And truly, that's what the parents did. They put colorful things, whatever, at the eyesight of the baby. And whatever was on their eyesight is whatever they grabbed. This is what I'm trying to suggest to us as a church this morning. That we've understood the gospel. Some of us have understood it, but we've forgotten to set our minds what it is. Whatever you set your minds on, whatever is in the fullness of your heart, is whatever you will gravitate. Whatever is in your mind, whatever is in your heart, is what you will gravitate, you gravitate towards. Scripture says this clearly, that out of the fullness of our hearts, the mouth speaks. Out of what has been deposited inside you, out of what has been filled inside you, out of what you've invested yourself, focused yourself, put yourself into it, is what comes out. For some of us, this political season, we've consumed so much political information until it be, it's become the thing that controls us. Until it becomes uh, some form of God to us. Consumed so much that that becomes the thing that you're, you're so worried that candidate X or candidate Y will not succeed. Oh, you think that they will succeed. Oh, you think that God is saying they will succeed because it's the only thing that you're consuming from morning, evening, and Whatever you set your heart and set your mind is whatever will drive you. Why are we not experiencing the fullness of living a Christian life? Yet we know what God has done. It's because our minds and our hearts are not set. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says this. For the flesh desire 
what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. There is a conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit and you are not but if but but if you are led by the spirit you are not under the law what that portion of scripture is whatever you invest yourself in focus yourself in direct yourself in pour yourself in is what will eventually direct you on how you do why are we not experiencing the fullness that god has granted us fully for free as Christian is because we're not setting our minds and we're not setting our hearts. The second part of this passage is talking about what I would call applying ourselves of the things that God has taught us so that we can experience the victory that he has given us. First portion was set your minds and hearts on things above. Then it comes and says, put to death, therefore. Put to death, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore on a portion of scripture, it means you need to consider what has come before. What is God asking us to put to death, therefore? Verse Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, which is idolatry. Put to death, therefore. All of us, and I mean all of us, have certain things that we need to put to death, therefore. And this things we do not put to death therefore may and think they will consume us I think our generation has become very casual about the dangers and what sin can be able to do allow me to give you an example of what sin can be able to do story is told that there was a man, the Republic of Czech, that was mauled by a lion he kept in his backyard. So the story says that this man went and got a puppy or a cub and started to feed it in his backyard. The neighbors were concerned. They were like, you know what? Please do not, do not keep a lion in your backyard. Something wrong will happen. But he was like, you know, I'm not disobeying any law. I'm not, is, is the lion in your backyard? No. Is the lion in your, in, your, in your lawn? No. Have I ever come to your house to ask you to contribute to us, me feeding the lion? No. Am I breaking any law? No. So let me be with my lion where? In my backyard. But when you listen to this story keenly, you know, a lion is what we call an apex predator. And an apex predator, it is in its nature to kill any prey that is around it. You can try to tame it. 
You can make attempts to tame it. You may succeed for some time to tame it. But eventually, an apex predator will do what an apex predator is meant to do, which is to mole and kill their prey. For some of us who are believers, some of us who are committed Christians, we are trying to figure out how we can be able to tame certain sins. That we feel like we have the capacity and the capability to tame certain sins. That there's something God has asked you. Deal with this thing. Deal with this issue. Take care of it. But for some reason, we think that we have the capacity to live with it for some time and it will not destroy us. The Bible is very clear about sin. It says, for the wages of sin is death. Sin might not. Where sin is, death is coming. Maybe death of a marriage, might be death of a business, might be death of your own personal relationship with God, might be death of something, whatever that scene that you're cuddling and you're thinking, you're hiding, your key, will eventually kill you. And I like the words that Paul uses here. He uses what we call active and violent and strong language. He says, put to death. The, 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 the same passage in the book of KJV, it says, mortify. It says, the only way you deal with sin is that you put to death. You do not have a, a meeting with it, a committee meeting with it, a discussion with it, a conversation with it. You do what you put to death. And the reason it works in this passage, it says you put sin to death, therefore, because you've set your hearts and your minds on things above, that you have the power of God and the spirit of God to enable you to win. It is not a self-motivation activity. It comes with the full force of the Holy Spirit to enable you to overcome the, the, the chains of pornography, to enable you to overcome the chains of infidelity, to enable you to overcome the chains of, 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 of whatever it is that God is, allow, is, is asking you to deal with because you've set your heart and your mind on things above. Stories told of the people who live uh, they're called the Eskimos on how they hunt uh, wolves because wolves come and, and they try and steal their ships and steal their things. What they usually do is that they sharpen a very nice sharp knife and they put it in a block of ice. And when they put this in a block of ice, uh, first of all, before they place the knife in the block of ice, they would go and slaughter a sheep or something and they would apply the blood of the sheep on it and they put it in a block of ice. And they would put this, this block of ice outside so that when the wolves come at, at night, what they would do, the wolves would smell blood and they would smell, you know, this smells like a prey. 
So the wolves will go and would start licking the block of ice. As they're licking the block of ice, as they're licking the block of ice, as they're licking the block of ice, the blood starts to become warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer. And eventually the wolf dies. Because while the wolf was licking the block of ice, what the wolf did not notice is that at some point, the, the, the tongue of the wolf was shredded into pieces and the blood that the wolf was enjoying was no longer the blood that to, of, of the sheep, but it was its own blood. That is the nature of sin. Over promises and delivers. Quietly sits with you and eventually destroys you. But we have victory because when we set our minds and we, we set our hearts on the things of God, he gives us everything we need to overcome the challenges that sin brings us. And then the last part of this passage is this. Set your hearts and your minds on, on the things of God. Second thing is you put to death the fleshly nature. And the third thing is you put on, which comes In verse, sorry, let me get the verse. It comes in verse, uh, verse 12. The things that God is asking us to do. Clothe yourself. That's what the verse says. With compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Bear one another and forgive one another. In your view, as grievances, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. This is a sandwich formula that God has given you on how to live a godly Christian life. God is saying is, come to me. Focus on me. Look to me above everything else. Focus on the things that I have provided. Pursue me diligently. And you'll experience the fullness of what it means. Then he says, but there's a, a human fleshly nature that you have, that if you have to deal with, but I have given you everything it takes, everything you need to be, able to, to be able to overcome the challenge that it brings. So therefore, put to death, therefore. What is, in it, what is it in our generation and our time now that we need to deal with? What is it in our day-to-day -day life that we need to wrestle with? 
What is it that God has asked you to work on? Because it's the very thing that is taking away from what God is asking you to be. That eventually, when we rid ourselves of all these things, anger, selfishness, of lust, if you look at them keenly, you realize all of them are all about self satisfaction. Then we'll embrace the culture of loving one another caring for the others, of giving towards the others, so that when the world looks at us, the same way Paul wanted, when the world looks at the, the, the church of Coloss Colossians, that they would say, you guys are different. You're not like the world. But everything you've embraced is different. Because in that generation, and that particular time, whatever they were dealing with, the generation had accepted the worship of other gods. The generation had accepted the, the living where, where, where people did not care for, for others. But God was calling them to become these people who are alive in Christ. That have set their minds, set their hearts on things above. That have uh, put to death sin and it's, its nature to kill, its nature to destroy, its nature to attack, but also have clothed themselves with the habits of God. All these words are imperatives. They're like instructions. But all of them are based on one true fact. That Christ died for us and he paid it all. Christ lived a perfect human life. So therefore, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And Christ resurrected so that you and I have the promise of resurrecting with him. Because of that truth, can be able to experience a fully Alive life. A fully alive life in Christ consists of an active relationship with him, consists of daily working on the dangers that will derail our relationship with him, but it also consists of not living for thyself, but living for others. Let me speak to us in this time especially when we're headed towards the general election. How many days think there's a time everywhere where you look 30-something day, yeah? Could we be different as believers? This, this has nothing to do with your preferred presidential candidate, but it has everything to do with how you express who you will vote for or not express. It has everything to do with how you treat those who do not like who you will vote for. It has everything to do with how much premiums you've put on the election system and, 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 and the presidential candidate other than God. 
has everything to do with that. Because when you're, the way we act, whatever we say, whatever we do as believers, let us be It has nothing to do with who you vote for, how you vote for. It has everything to do with how you express your views then considering what you know. So let us be kind to one another. Let us be cordial to one another. Let us be good to one another. I mean, I have been amazed uh, at how Christians are vicious on this social media platform, nation.media.something. I'm like, see, I know John, but John is a very calm person. I see him in church, and I kunyonga chai pole pole. Lakini the paragraph he has unleashed on that comment, you are like, ay, my goodness, bana. The words, strong words. I'm like, can we be different, man? You will not die if you say things in a kind way. Ama, there's a Twitter trend that is happening. You're like, Mercy is a calm person. She even doesn't even speak much, but she's unleashed certain words and she's the one who's propagating a certain hashtag. You're like, oh my goodness. Because we're believers. Because God has loved us. Let us be loving to one another. That is the last passage of uh, Colossians chapter 3. It's all about treating one another better. Therefore, clothe yourself with compassion during this election period, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. And then this one is for all of us, especially on social media. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any one of you has grievances against Another person, forgive as God has forgiven you. And above all this virtue, put on love that binds all of us together as fast as the body of Christ in unity. Being alive in Christ consists of three things. Set your hearts and your minds on things above. And when God grants you the strength and the capacity and the ability through the power of his Holy Spirit, you'll be able to overcome the deadly nature of sin. And once you overcome the deadly nature of sin, you will thereafter love those who are around you with the Christ's love. So that's my challenge to you this morning. And for some of you, I'd say this. For some of you, you've tried to overcome the nature of sin by yourself. You've read all the books from Atomic Habits to the power of... And Atomic Habits is a good book, I advocate, by the way. To, 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 to the power of overcoming whatever, to six, seven principles of becoming a better man, to whatever worldly nature. But if you do not allow... Christ to become your Lord and Savior. You do not have the power to overcome the deadly nature of sin. So for some of you, it could be this message was for you to say, God, I've tried it by myself and I cannot do it. And the only person who can 
put to death and mortify the sin that is consuming me from inside is you. And I would like to commit myself to you so that you can give me your Holy Spirit to help me every single day to fight the deadly nature of sin. Allow me to pray. And if there's anyone here you'd like to give your life to Christ because you know you cannot do it by yourself. I'm going to make an invitation. All eyes closed as we pray. You've tried everything and it doesn't work. Anyone here, anyone online who would like to give their lives to Christ, this is an invitation I'm making to you. Jesus is it. That's what Paul was saying. He is everything. Everything we know from creation to life. Your life isn't complete without him. Jesus is it. So I'm making an invitation. If you'd like to give your life to Christ, um, you could uh, raise your hand and I'll pray with you. If you're online, you, I think I believe there's a number there. You can send a message. I, I believe one of the pastors here at NCLA will reach out to you. There's no one who will pray. And we pray that God would allow us to experience fully, full life in Him. Father God, we thank you. Thank you because at the center of the Christian message is a perfect man crucified for the sins of those who are considered his enemies. The center of the Christian message is a promise that of a God who will give us life for this life that we are living in every single day but for the life in eternity. The center of the Christian message is a God who promises to give us everything for life and for godliness. At the center of the Christian message is one that makes us alive even when we were dead in sin. At the center of the Christian message is Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, died a painful death but resurrected so that we can have life. So I pray for anyone who is here, or even online, who is chosen to say, you know what, my life is not my own. And to you, Jesus, I belong. May you reach out and touch them. But for the rest of us who desire to experience the fullness of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, may we set our minds and our hearts on things above. May we have the capacity to identify the dangers that are attracted 
by our sinful nature. But also may we be ready to embrace the things that you ask us to, so that through our actions, day-to-day -day actions, we may demonstrate that truly we are not just Christians by word, but we are Christians by deed. This I pray in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen.